Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day, wherever you are listening to and whatever time of day it is that you're listening to this latest episode of my podcast, Soundtracking. Thank you so much for listening and thank you very much to everybody who's been in touch as well. Um, we've been starting to share our email address, which is info at edithbowman.com and some lovely messages coming in. So I thought I'd start with one today, actually, a lovely email from Ian Miller, who says, Hi, Edith. I hope you're well. Long-term fan of yours and supporter of Soundtracking. Thanks, Ian. I'm partway through the Elvis episode and heard you mention the email address, so I thought I'd say hello. Yet to see Baz's latest, but enjoy listening to chat about the score before going in when I know there'll be little in the way of narrative spoilers in your chats. We do try, Ian. Anyway, I just thought I'd see if you've ever considered Cameron Crowe for an episode. Not just because he's king of the needle drop, but also because of his expansive knowledge of film and music as a whole. If you didn't see the full deluxe vinyl edition of the almost famous soundtrack that was released last year, I did a cringeworthingly unboxing, which you can see here. Thanks for the URL. And you'll soon see there's probably an episode worth of material in the set alone. Small tip, he recently opened a public Instagram account at Cameron Crow. Cameron B. Crow, sorry, where you'll be able to direct message him. Let me know if you try. I'll be going over to New York for the opening of the AF Musical in October and will happily mention you and soundtracking when I see him if you want. Ian Miller, we would love it if you would mention us when you go across to see the almost famous musical in October. And that makes it a very good reason to get in touch with Cameron Crow, which I will as soon as I've finished recording this. Thank you very much for your email, Ian. Cameron Crow weirdly follows me on Twitter because he once sent me a message which blew my mind, blew my little Scottish mind. So, Ian, I'm definitely going to follow that up. Thank you for your tip. Now we've got a treat for you this week as the genius... I don't throw that word around lightly, but this man is. Taika Waititi returns to soundtracking to discuss Thor Love and Thunder. Now, Love and Thunder is out now and is showing at View Cinemas across the UK and Ireland. This is a great example of a film, well, that you can totally get lost in. And who doesn't want to be transported into Taika's creative mind and to a air-conditioned cinema? This film was made for the big screen. There's no better way to see it than at view for the ultimate big screen experience with the best seat, screen and sound. Tickets are available from just £4.99 online at select sites. So it's an affordable day out catching a film on the big screen at view. For tickets, just head to myview.com. It's also a great way to appreciate the incredible needle drops and Michael Giacchino's score in all their glory. And it's with one of Michael's cues that we'll begin. Surely Temple. See what we did there? Thank you once again for the most brilliant 
cinematic experience. Ah, you're welcome. It just is. It just you kind of go in there and you just encourage us to kind of have fun. Um, but also kind of touching with emotions. Um, let's talk music, if that's all right. Okay. I mean, how do you know how to start, particularly this film, Thor, Love and Thunder, sonically? Because it's got an interesting start. It's kind of got that really, I mean, brutal opening with Christian, who's amazing in this film. But there's almost kind of, kind of lulls us into a slight false sense of sonically how the film is. Do you mind talking well, a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, but... Um you know, originally that scene was supposed to be in the middle of the film and it was supposed to start with that big montage and it was going to be like balls of the wall energy. Yeah. Like, this is the film that you're going to be watching. And um, I think everyone expected a bigger, like a more of a comedy film that, you know, that everyone, would, everyone kept talking about it. And like with the trailer, it was like, oh, it's going to be like just energy, energy, energy and just entertainment. And I thought it was just nice to go against that expectation of the beginning of the film. Because a lot of people came in expecting that big energy, and then like, it starts with like a super tragic, yeah, very like. Morose like my heart was on the floor. Yeah, like, yeah, really a horrible experience that no one, yeah, would ever want to experience. And I think it just sets up that like, yeah, you know, the film is gonna surprise you along the way. And yeah, yeah, you know, just when you think it's gonna be one thing, suddenly the film's gonna be black and white. And I think musically, but that's what we wanted as well. And, you know, Michael Giacchino did a really fantastic score in the film. I mean, always when I'm writing, I've got a playlist of things, you mm-hmm. know, like, so, so with things like Guns N' Roses and, um, you know, and, and, and songs like that, they were always part of the writing process. There was a lot of ABBA when I was writing. There was a lot of Bee Gees when I was writing. I thought ABBA because it's like, yeah, you know, for Thor, you know, <laughs> It's a strong Viking band, yeah. and uh, so I thought, yeah, if there's a space Viking on Earth and listening to music, it's gonna be ABBA. <laughs> and um, and then, but there were other things in there. You know, there were, for a little while, you know, I had um, a Kate Bush song in there. Uh, luckily, I didn't. Um, well put done. It, in. Well, it wasn't the same one. <laughs> okay. It was this woman's work. Oh, but, cool. Um, I mean, that show just ruined that song for everyone. So I thought, <laughs> you know, sometimes when you put music into a film, you got to remember 
you're probably never going to want to listen to that song again. So now, now I'm very careful at putting my favourite songs in things. Immigrant song has pretty much been ruined by Ragnarok for me. you have made such an impact on the marriage of image and sound with two particular pieces of music Immigrant Song now whenever I hear it I just think Thor and then also when I hear those opening bars to Heroes uh, by yeah. Bowie I just think of Jojo and so yeah. I have that association with it as well and that's an but incredible me too it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a positive thing for you for me no, you, it's not no. I listen to Heroes I'm like <laughs> all I can think about is editing a movie and I'm really like I've that's screwed tough, that song for me that's yeah. a tough place to be then to make that decision to put one of your favourite songs in a film to what's know what's it like if I'm driving down the street and like someone parks up next to me and I'm listening to, he- to the sound Heroes and they're like oh my god this guy likes this film what? Um, this feels weird <laughs> mentioned in ABBA because I uh, when it, when I heard it I was like yes this is what I imagine Thor's kind of getting ready playlist to be you know he's kind of yeah. like in the mirror getting that main ready he's got ABBA blasting kind of yeah yeah like, yeah <laughs> we did an actual I wonder if it's going to be in the deleted scenes but there is a whole dance number that Thor does to Waterloo no yeah and we did we filmed it on the, the goat boat when he's by himself and he's like just celebrating like <laughs> how well things are going and um, yeah that he's back he's like in love again and it's just does this big dance Big solo dance number by himself to Waterloo. Thor the musical. It exists somewhere. I don't know where. Oh, please make that happen. We have to release that at some point. Please. Um, Yeah. What about Guns N' Roses? What was the decision about that? Because obviously there's, you know, they they feature kind of heavily. They've kind of got real moments. And it's brilliant how it's choreographed the things as well. Like in um, Welcome to the Jungle, it's kind of, you know, when he lands on that beat and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hear you scream and all that. Yeah, they're screaming. Yeah, Yeah, totally, yeah. Well, you know, it all started with November Rain. So all of this GNR journey started with us, you know, like we kind of like reverse engineered everything from like listening to that song and going... We want this song to play when the kids go into this big, exciting moment at the end of the film. And it just sounded perfect and just like how everything was going. And then um, and then the name of Axel, the, this, this kid, like lent itself to that. Like, oh, yeah, he, he should name himself. He's changing his name to name himself after Axel Rose and we have like November Rain. And then we sort of like, oh, we've got to start. We're going that there. We've got to start the film with some GNR. And we ended up like just putting four songs or something in there. And... Um, the only one we're missing is Patience, which I thought would have been like just 
extra scene. We need a nice acoustic GNR <laughs> song in there. You know, we, yeah. we, we didn't manage to get it. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of perfect. Like with Immigrant Song, which was the song, the track of Ragnarok. Yeah. Guns N' Roses. We had to go big or go home with, you know, following up yeah. Immigrant Song. So yeah, so bringing Axel and the band into this film made perfect sense. Was that part of script writing stage? Was that in the script? Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah, 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 yeah. The November rain, like it's in the script pages, like, and then November rain kicks in. Wow. I mean, did they play ball, Guns N' Roses? You know, because yeah. that's the tricky thing. You write it in the script, it's there, and then you go, sorry, yeah. 25 billion pounds, please. Yeah, I mean, that's what we pay. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, the pound is not worth Kevin anything Feige could afford it. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> it, actually only, it actually equates to about... 3p. $2 um, yeah, no, they... Um, they uh, like, you know what's interesting is, like, uh, I guess... It's less of a conversation with Guns N' Roses, but with uh, Led Zepp. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you know, but like, you basically, to uh, there's no negotiation. There's no <laughs> negotiating with them. It's like, they say, this is the price. Mm-hmm. And you put the money into escrow, <laughs> send them the clip, and they either go accept or reject. And that's how it works. There's no talking to, there's no like, hey, like, you know, can we get you down? Like, can we take a zero off the price if we like do that? It's like, yeah. no. And which is awesome. It's Led Zeppelin. Yeah. It's Immigrant Song, of course, you know. Yeah. But I just found it an interesting process. It's yeah. Like, they just say what they want and you do it. And I think it's pretty much the same with Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. You're Guns N' Roses. Exactly. You get to call the shots. You get to say how much these things are, are going to cost. I'm go- they were just playing here at the weekend as well, and I can't believe I missed it. When they're not playing tonight as well? Are they? I don't know. I can't I, tell trying, my nine-year-old. I put in a request to, oh, to uh, invite them to the <gasps> premiere tomorrow night. But, uh, I don't know if they want to go and see a movie. They're too cool for a movie. Oh, man, they've got to, they've been so stoked to see how the music's used. Because it's so... It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. It's a character in this yeah. film. And even just like small moments. Paradise City. Yeah. And when we're in New Asgard. Like that, you know. That, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I remember listening to Appetite for Destruction. That was one of the first albums I bought. And then, uh, you know, just like it changed my life as a kid. Yeah. And I brought Lies. 
Um, we all remember the uh, inside sleeve of the uh, LP on mm-hmm, Rise, don't cheeky. we guys? Don't we, don't we lads? Um, and <laughs> no, I mean, the love affair with GNR, I mean, it was solidified. I, yeah, totally. So many memories as a, as a kid growing up in my little As- Asgard fishing village in Scotland of kind of that being my escape almost in a way and going, it felt so huge and big. Yeah, same music. in New Zealand. It was like so small town. And yeah. I mean, New Zealand really is just a series of suburbs on a couple of islands. And, um, you know, now we've got some big cities, but in the 80s, they were pretty small. And, you know, just that feeling of like this big music from across the sea is like, it's just, you know, that Connected was really the main, the main ex- escape for us. Was um, you know like well we had a TV show it wasn't um, MTV but it's called um, RTR Countdown Ready to Roll and uh, that was where we saw all the music videos and that was our escape it was like you know yeah watching Thriller you know watching yeah. like Cindy Lauper videos like watching Sledgehammer the, the Sledgehammer oh. imagine how long that took <laughs> how long would it take to do a stop motion like that never never fancied it I loved that video I just it always blew my mind I was like, yeah. When I found out what sort of, like how you make that stuff, and, I, and they had just all lie there, you cut like one grape, one grape, one grape, I'm like but it's surrounded by. Th- <laughs> nah. I don't have the patience for that. Um, there's some really lovely nods to other films in the film, which I really liked. There's a couple of references. I, I missed the other one. Interstellar gets a reference. Yeah. One of my favorite soundtracks ever from Hans Zimmer. I love that soundtrack. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, what's the other one? <laughs> Did you redo? <laughs> and that'll be five million dollars, please. <laughs> cocktail. Cocktail. Cocktail dreams. Cocktails and dreams. I love that. Yeah. I was like that squinting and going, yes, it is. There's also a nod to Event Horizon, which stars Sam Neill, who plays Odin in the oh. theatre play. And Sam Neill is the one. First time I've seen it on film, we takes the paper and pushes the pen through to explain wormholes. And then Event Horizon did the exact same thing with the paper through the thing. And we just like sort of like, so I mean, it's one, Event Horizon for me is one of my favourite movies. And I also just love giving Sam Neill shit. <laughs> like, I, like, I always talk, I, like, I always, like, I've got, I've recorded him doing that, that thing with the paper at a party. And I also like to give him shit about um, Omen 3, which is like a very little known um, part of his uh, canon, which is Sam Neill played Damien from the Omen movies as as when he was a grown-up in the third movie. And he he ends the movie, uh, and I always get Sam to to do this part of the film, but he's he's been shot. Damien's been shot, and he's dying, and he goes into a church, and he looks up at Jesus on the cross. He says, famous line, he's he's just about to die, and he says... Whatever the sort of some other biblical name for Jesus is, and he's like, Jesus, you have won nothing, and then he like falls over dead. <laughs> and as a kid, like that was just we were just like, damn, that's a line. And now you have Sam Neil in your life. You have for just, many years I just now. Use and abuse Sam yeah. Neil in my films. Do you fancy coming on and being in a play in my film, pretending to be? I mean, that whole section, I was crying with laughter. Yeah, my and Damon, Matt Damon and, is like oh, insane. And then that. Melissa. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. it's yeah. so great. Yeah, it's such like a funny amazing. moment. Just like one of my favorite parts of the whole shoot was shooting that thing also thinking this will never be in the film and we did that for like a day and a half is, is it is it a bit like that from what you because I love hearing about your kind of you know everybody kind of 
not jokes about how much you have fun on set, but I think there's such a there's such emotional currents through your film that kind of cuddles the comedy. You know, there's 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 things being said, there's emotions being explored and and developed and stuff as well. But but with all of that, there's kind of there's this kind of these two worlds of kind of comedy and drama just they've got a great parallel in your films I think as well yeah but then there's been yeah throughout all of my films it's been like that and I do really feel and it's such a wanky way to answer because you know it's such a filmmaker I'm a storyteller and uh, you know stories <laughs> need their ups and downs you know and it's just light what and shade. life is just like life light and shade every day you know <laughs> You know, you can't write a script for life, can you? We're all improvising our way through each day. And uh, look, it's, you know, life is not just straight drama or straight comedy. It's a perfect balance of both. Um, so my, few, my I guess if you're asking me, what, you know, why I do what I do, I guess my films are just reflections of the human condition. Let's talk goats I then. I do believe that a bit. I know. Well, but yeah, I do but think you, that's but... like, you know, that's why I do have that balance. And like, you know, I think to to make people feel something, you know, deeper, I think you have to bring them in with comedy and yeah. you have to like kind of reel them in and say, it's going to be okay. Well, it drops the barriers, doesn't it? Yeah. Away? And then they kind of like let down their defenses and then they watch and they go, ah, this is about the Holocaust. <laughs> And then, uh, then they have a cry, and then they have a laugh, and another cry, and then they leave, and they've felt something. And I feel like that's, uh, you know, that's kind of like a, like Shakespeare was there. All Shakespeare's plays, yeah, they're full of jokes and about super depressing things. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, audiences love to go and see, like they laugh and cheer, and they cry and they cheer and they for cry. generations, yeah. for like hundreds of years. It's yeah. yeah, unbelievable. Can we talk about the goats? It's still too long. Those plays. Come on, um, Bill. A little bit about the goats because they. Ju- I mean, I do. Ju- I did genuinely kind of burst out laughing every time they come on. Yeah, and go. the scream is so specific. <laughs> so specific. I've got to find this track. The, the scream came from some sort of like weird dance track or something that was part of a thing that we were listening to, and I was like, that should be the sound of these goats. And it was like uh, a. It wasn't like what the fox say the song. What did the fox say? It was that like, one. It's not that song, but it sort of reminded me of that. And I don't know what the hell it is. I should find out for future interviews. But I thought you'd recorded. Sound, and everyone thinks it's me. It's not me. Honestly, I thought you'd recorded Chris Hemsworth on a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, he's got a high pitched scream like that. <laughs> I can't get that right because I'm more, too manly. It's oh man, I've got to find out what that is now. That's gonna. That's my script. <laughs> It's going to annoy me trying to find out what that is. Valkyrie's Phantom of the Opera t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just the most random references in this conversation, by the way. But all these that things was, that- well, you know, that was, um, so Jen Robinson, who was one of the other writers on the um, on the film, she, well, I think one day was wearing a Phantom <laughs> top and I was like, Valkyrie should just wear that. And uh, that's where that came from. Um, I thought it was going to be a funny thing to put cats, to, for her to wear a cat's one, but maybe too soon. <laughs> so it's, that's the, the idea. Yeah, people read too much into that shit. I think mean, the cat's yeah, one is awesome because it's like, the eyes look awesome. You know, it's such a cool thing. But like, but they move everyone's going to be like, oh, there's a comment. Like, He's taking the piss. Just yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and the speaker... Her portable speaker, yeah. Mary G. Blige. Yeah. Uh, whose choice was that? Did you go through lots of different options for that? Or That was um, one of our editors, another Jennifer. I only work with Jennifer's. <laughs> um, she, that was her. She put that in, and it was so inspired. So on, on set, I had put in, um, what was it? It was like, 
the Manama Nap song, I think. From the Muppets? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, but so it goes like, Portable Speaker. When they go from the distance and they're still going. Oh, love that. The Muppets So then she replaced that because it's obviously too stupid and put Mary J. Bargin, which is inspired and way better. stuff are you playing on sex all day long playing just all sorts of stuff on yeah. Fridays I have a thing where I get like a whiteboard and the crew can come up and just put the request, request song like write down songs <laughs> that they want and then I'll get one of the PAs to just program all of those songs There's a, Fridays are a real weird eclectic mix and just like going <laughs> so cool. you know you can tell what department has that chosen what you know like there's yeah there's the department it's like oh I'd like to hear um, you know 10cc, I'm not in love. Or 10cc, <laughs> or, you know, I want um, this mortal coil. And then, like, this other family, and suddenly comes with, like, the most hardcore drum and bass, like, tracks on it. It's full on, like, garage beats. And, like, you know, oh, I know what department chose that. And, um, <laughs> you well, got and a someone's like, yeah, dancing, kicks it. It's like, it just goes all over the shop. It's amazing. It's, yeah, it's very amazing. You've yeah. got to look to give someone that's almost kind of like, Hit the next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like, oh, sorry, sorry, guys. I got to turn it down. Like, this um, with regards to kind of how powerful and strong those Guns N' Roses tracks are, just going back to the score and and Michael and, and Nami as well, who 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 worked on the score for this. In terms of finding that the balance between the two, because there's some really beautiful moments where the, the score is just really. I wrote a couple down with it. The um, if you pick that hammer up. That scene, when he'd been Thor saying that to Jane. In the hospital. Yeah, and yes. that kind of piece of score is just like absolutely yeah. stunning. Yeah, well, that thematic thing, which I think is like got a little bit of the original Thor theme from the first film you yeah. know, in it, but like Michael does, does brilliantly at just sort of like skewing it a bit.
and I, th- I just find that stuff so brilliant like I don't think like that my brain doesn't really work yeah. that way like you know I'm just like well is this funny and then um you know but like with Michael it's like I can hear that theme these little motifs throughout the film and the different pieces like in the big the god temple um they had that big fight you know they're spraying gold blood all over each other it's <laughs> yeah, super so good weird and so sexual. great pretty sexual fight and um but like that whole piece of you know it's like oh yeah i can hear that theme in, within that as well and yeah um, yeah i mean it's just brilliant what those guys do i'm just uh, and also when michael writes a suite which is really great. He wrote this one, which I just listened to when I was like working out, which is like great. this whole suite that he did at the beginning for our edit, where it was just like, you know, just pick and choose what you want from here. And then when I go to Abbey Road, I'll just like, you know, get the whole orchestra and like make it sound awesome. Yeah, it's like he's so, so, cat, so relaxed about it all. And I'm like, okay, dude, who did up? <laughs> We had that conversation before. Yeah. When you I'm said like, about Jojo, you make... were kind of like, can you just give me up? Yeah, that's not a Jojo Rabbit. I was like, all I want is up in the World War Two. Just give me the World War Two version of up and we're all good. <laughs> and you mentioned the, the kind of God's temple and Russell Crowe looks like he is having the best fun yeah. ever because we are watching him as yeah. this. It's just the the kind of the, the campness, the theatrics of it, the kind of the play. Yeah, he he's just... the best man. I like, you know, I was fortunate enough to, um, you know, to become friends with Russell and then get to ask him to come and do the film, you know, which I think is probably the best order to do things. <laughs> when you're Chris. dealing with Russell, it's like, yeah. become his friend first, then say, <laughs> do you want to play Zeus <laughs> and wear a tutu? Um, <laughs> You know, but he, like, you know, it was, you know, because I respect him so much and I love his work and, I, you know, like, I, you know, I've said this many times, I've watched Master and Commander probably, hmm. I don't know, 70 times. Wow. Like, I love that movie. I love just watching him. Yeah. It's much like Chris, you know, like you feel like you're in good hands, you know, when, like, there are stars yeah. that you watch, think, you know, and, I, and, you know, there's, there's just a lot of people, like Christian as well. You know, I when mean, you, you know, when you're watching a film, like, it's that whole thing, where, you know, where, you used to see like a movie poster. If Tom Hanks was on it, you're like, or or, or Tom Cruise, you're like, I'm in. Yeah. I know I'm in good hands. They're going to look after me in this film because they care about the audience. And Chris is the same. Russell is another one of those people who's just reliable and and just brings it. And he was also like, I'm not afraid to you know poke fun at himself yeah. and the idea of him playing Zeus and. Yeah. Just and being cheeky and naughty, and also the accent, putting on that Greek accent as well. And some people are like, well, you know, is it, you know, shouldn't it be like, why is it that we all want a, so people to do a British accent like Lawrence of Olivier when they play Zeus? Yeah, and he's a Greek god. He's a Greek god. <laughs> Just do your best Greek accent, you know, and, and even at that, like, you know, like, no, it should be British, you know. I'm like, haven't they taken enough? <laughs> Good answer. That's yeah. the answer you need to use for everybody who are just, that's yeah. all you need to say. That's right. No more. I'm like, yeah. Deadpan. Haven't they taken enough? The last thing <laughs> the British have <laughs> stolen from the Greeks is their accent. accent? And now you want to take that from them too? <laughs> um, you mentioned Christian as well. And oh my God, he's, I mean, you know, I know he's great, but... It's insane. Yeah, that one, what is it, when it's he goes, insane. oh, exciting, that bit. And, you're, and it's like, it's yeah. so out of the expectation of that character, but you just see that kind of madness and that. Did you give them like, I mean, obviously you had a script, but I know that you kind of 
you like to play on set with, you know, let, letting them have freedom and improvise and, you know, kind of see what they can come up with. With, with him and Russell, was it? Case yeah, but I mean, no, he's, you know, he's done a lot of stuff with like David and Russell, which is like all improvised, you know, yeah, and like just like having things, you know, lines yeah. thrown at you. And so, yeah, so like he's had, you know, like way, you know, more experience in that world than I, you know, than he could have with me. So he was fine with it. You know, he was yeah. like, yeah, whatever you want. You know, he's, he's worked with, Lots of you know, lots of improvising um, scenarios, but with that character, didn't really need a lot of it. There was little moments there, like the way that we would work together is like much like I would do with everyone else. It's like just give us a few versions. I'm not going to cut. Just do a few versions, like way that you want to do it, and then I'll throw in some lines, and then we'll just like have a back and forth. And it's just a for an organic way of working. And as long as I've got this the page version, then we can yeah. continue to continue to explore. But I mean, the guys like you know. Ever since Empire of the Sun, man, you know, horsepower. He's just, he's just like, he's gone from strength to strength, hasn't he? <laughs> it's like a I'm five, very proud of that like young boy from Empire one. of the Sun. <laughs> and uh, now he's gone and he's done, put himself in a Thor film. Um, he's he's great, and also well, he had uh, like finally I put one of my daughters in the film, and uh, she uh, he, he comes up to me after this. <laughs> Seeing she was one of the kids, and she after two takes, she came, she left the set, she came up to me, and she was like, oh, no. I'm done, give me my, she's like, I'm done, give me my money. And I was like, Babe, you've got to do it all day. She's like, All day, she's like, The costumes aren't real enough, there's no actual monsters that I can see, and the breaks are too short. So, uh, I can't wait to cash. see what she does in life, she's going to be oh, for amazing sure. for sure. And I said, Well, you're not getting paid, she goes, Ah, oh, we're rich. And uh, then, uh, and then Christian comes up, he's like, <laughs> Wow, that kid. He's like, uh, wow. He's like, oh, she, she, I've never met someone like that. He's like, I feel like she really like just looked into the depths of my soul and really like just uh, tore me apart. She's like, she was walking past him off set and he's like, hello, darling, you right? And she just looks up and she goes, like, she goes, she just stared straight through me. I can't wait to see what she does in life, genuinely. I cannot wait. Um, I love as well the little things with them. Um, I mean, Korg, obviously, narrating the film is is brilliant. And um, I also like people getting Jane's name wrong. That's very funny. I was trying to think of another list of either other Janes or other Fosters. Yeah, and yeah. I failed miserably. But um, but Korg's karaoke scene as well. There's got to be more of that for the unedited scenes that we get, hopefully. Yeah, that song, uh, you know, that's an original. Uh, you know, I made that up. Uh, written by? No, written by me. Uh, <laughs> That's the courting, the love song, the courting song between two dudes when they want to make a baby. The actual thing about holding the hands over that. lava is from the comics. So is like, it? it's like the Cronins, there are no, I don't, as far as I know, there are no women in the Cronin society. So the, no it's ladies. just men making babies together. Wow. Great. And? <laughs> I don't know why I'm like. But yeah, it's, it's. How do you work with that, with, co- with knowing how much with the comics to kind of. to reference because you you've got such a brilliant unique kind of storytelling way of of like we talked about earlier but when you do have that kind of foundation of the comics there for the worlds and the characters and stuff how do you know is it just natural you kind of feel how much of you want to pull in of the story and the history yeah and the there's things that in the comics that i really like you know i fall in love with an idea and i'm like we've got to put this in this is so crazy like the goats are from the comics and they're yeah. also from the norse mythology yeah and um and so like, you know, there's a lot of those things where i'm like Let's just see how this goes. 
we'll test the film a lot as well. And so like sometimes the audience will be like, I was I was in with everything, but when it came to the goats, it just you yeah, you lost me. So yeah, and then like. Luckily, they didn't say that about the goats, but like, yeah, you know, there'll be <laughs> certain God. things that we're like, okay, well, there's maybe there's like too many things in the film. So, but for, with the comics, yeah, like I read, you know, a bunch of these. The main ones I read was about the God Butcher mm-hmm. and about Jane Foster. Yeah. And those have been the, those are really the strongest mm. storylines. And yeah. we don't have to be super uh, loyal to what's in the comics. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, with the designs, even the design of Gore is very different to the design in the comic. Yeah. And, What's great about you know, you know Kevin always says is like basically all of the films are based on storylines from co- the comic books over the last 50, 60 years anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, you have to allow yourself the uh, the freedom to creatively change these things to you yeah. know to adjust and to make them suitable yeah. and palatable for modern audiences and also for you know the big silver rectangle. <laughs> um, before we finish, we run out of time. Um, Next goal wins. I'm really excited about seeing this because I yeah. remember chatting to the guys when they made the doc like yeah. years ago and I did some Q&As with them for it. And it's so great and exciting to think about that being a feature film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's finished. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're finished and we're just waiting. We'll probably bring it out next year. Awesome. Um, and it's a great film. Like, what was cool about it's the pandemic was like, I shot that film two and a half years ago now. And I remember watching like a sort of early cut and I was like, oh, well, had to end sometime, you know. Uh, you know, he had a good run, and uh, this is a bad film. And um, but that's how I feel about every movie. You know, you watch your first cut of anything. You was great. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you're like, oh, this is screwed. Then there was a year of not being able to work on it because of the pandemic, and I went and watched it after a year. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. This great. film's great, and I've just finished the film, and it's super emotional and funny. And what's great is it's also a true story. And it's also, I love, I mean, I love sports films. I've never made a sports film. I basically know nothing about football. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, I was really keen to just do, so, I mean, the story is so amazing. Yeah. And I think if you were to try and write that as a fiction, people would say it's too, yeah. it's too over the top. Mm-hmm. You know, it yeah. can't possibly be true. So the fact that, it, that this shit actually happened yeah. it just makes me very happy. Amazing. Well, I hope we get to chat about that. And yeah. and also congratulations on Mando. Loved, loved Mando. All of it. It was so great. Um, thank you for your time as always. Thank you, as treat. always. It's thank a treat. You. I love you. Thank you. Soundtrack to Thor, Love and Thunder, that's We're Not Emos, We're Gods. I'm glad it wasn't goats. Rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Taika Waititi. My huge thanks to Taika for taking the time to talk to us. Thor, Love and Thunder is out now at view and this is your chance to completely immerse yourself in the ultimate big screen experience with the best seats, screen and sound from just £4.99 at select sites. Book your tickets now at myview.com. 
If you want to hear my previous conversation with Tyker, head to edithbowman.com where you can link to every single episode of the podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And do feel free to drop us a wee email. We are info at edithbowman.com. Next up then, we've got a double, well, actually it's a triple whammy because we've got a double header in the form of the wonderful Felix White, who a lot of you will know from Maccabee's fame. Uh, he's the composer, along with his director, Barney Douglas. Now, they've made this brilliant Macano documentary. So we talked to Felix and Barney, and we also have the wonderful Carrie Cracknell, who's on to talk about her adaptation of Persuasion. So, Felix, Barney and Carrie, next week's guests on Soundtracking. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. <laughs>